Good evening, morning, afternoon, whatever applies to you, and welcome to another EuroLeague. I am joined, as always, by Nicola Sturgeon's son. He's Scottish. I'm kind of like running out of things to say at this point, you know, it's, it's pretty low effort, Kira. I'm not going to lie, like, just, just reeling out uh, the Scottisms at this point. Uh, we are also joined by the ultimate amalgam of accents uh Maorang's okay. biggest fan and you know just one of my favorite leaguey people in general miss georgia aka troubling of course of the lec uh and again guys before we get into anything that you know actually matters vis-a-vis sports or indeed league of legends it is time for my patented or based on what georgia said Wait, maybe even feared <laughs> would you rather yes Kira, did you yes. find out if did you do your research and find out if I was a worm in someone's pocket and the plane crashed, I would survive? Did you go and do your diligence? Okay, so no, for two reasons. One, one, because you said you were gonna do it. So I didn't need to. So colour me uh shocked that you're not a man of your word. And also, I just don't care. So I didn't I, do it, did I? I done it. I, I, I done it and I already knew the answer, that's why I said it. They need to research if one already knows. You said you were going to research it. I just knew it intuitively. Okay, well, one of those was a lie. Uh, take your pick, I guess. <laughs> anyway, moving swiftly on. Uh, yeah, so I have a pretty simple would you rather uh, for you today. And it is it just goes as follows. Would you rather have the ability to rewind time by one hour or by one month? Hit me, Kira. An hour or one month? I'm, I'm so confused what the disadvantage is here. Well. I, I would go for one month, but I'm confused where the disadvantage is here. So you have interesting. to Interesting. I really thought you thought this was easy and you were going to go one hour, by the way. But no, no, go, go on, go no, on. No, wait, wait, okay, wait, wait. So if you do one hour, can you, can you do consecutive hour no. leaps? Yeah, exactly. So like, yeah, so it's going to be... You have to go back the full one month, yeah? Yeah. You go back yeah, exactly yeah. one month or exactly one hour and you, you can't just oh. spam it, you know, like... Oh, yeah, okay. I'll do Does it have a cool down or what? Yeah, look, we'll, call, we'll call it like, I don't know, I don't know, a few days. Like, you can't just permanently okay. do it. Like, you can do it every now and then. Okay, basically. one month. Really? Why? Because I would just, like, write down, like all the fucking like stock exchange stuff in a month and all that or like the betting patterns for a month and then just do them i can't spam an hour so i'll just do that just and become a millionaire yeah but you could through. do you could do that in an hour though like you could just look at the charts an hour from now on anything which is like high hype which has high volatility yeah yeah but then i just i would also just do so like i've got that i've got that covered and then like any like big mistakes tend to have like lots of like tendril repercussions sure so like sure. sometimes you can have like good things happen or like bad things happen from what you perceive as good things or good things from bad things so you get a bigger scope to see like how things play out um you know like i would say a one month if you if you're gonna if you're gonna and also i was much bigger planning say you you've like fucked up a scenario or a situation sometimes I'm, an hour isn't enough time to like fix it but a month will usually fix like a lot of things and you also get like a lot more bigger like planning building up to the moment. So I, I would quite safely go for a month. I'm, I'm not too sh- There probably is advantages to an hour, but I'm not sold on 
how big they actually are. No, I, I think. I mean, I think you gave a, a pretty decent answer. What, what do you think, Georgia? What would you do? I think I would take the hour. I think. Listen, I'm somebody who is very. Like I anticipate things very much and very passionately, and I have very little patience. So let's say I messed up something, I'll just go an hour behind and I'll go and fix it. But if I've messed up something within the month, but the rest of the month has gone pretty well, so I don't care about anything else, like reliving it is kind of like I don't know, like the biggest deja vu probably of your life, and it gets very boring. Uh, so yeah, I will probably like be anticipating that one moment that I've wanted to go back and fix. So I'd probably take uh, that one hour. Yeah, I think I would probably go one hour. I think the thing with one month, I mean, I buy everything that you said, Kira, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, reliving a month and then realizing like, you know, normally an entire month probably wasn't like all bad, you know? It's like probably there were yeah. lots of things that you did and conversations you had with people and stuff that you value and that they're all wiped away. It's kind of a bit depressing in a way that these things... Have them that again. You... Huh? I can have them again. I mean, are you really going to be motivated to do like re repeat certain things like that? I mean, I don't know. I think like with one hour, like I I'm also someone who like generally doesn't have like many regrets, I guess, to the point where I'm like, I have to go back an entire month. You know, it's like if there's something really bad that's happened or something like that, like every now and then, would you want to press that button? Sure. But I feel like in an hour, there are much more sort of instinctive things where you're like, ah, oh, crap. Like, I really wish I just hadn't done that. Like, oh my God, I wish it was 10 minutes ago or whatever, and I did something else. Like, that's just me personally. Like, I guess in reality, there are just way more times where I wish I could do something again immediately than I wish I could go really far back and like rectify things, you know? Because generally I think I behave to the standard that I want to behave. And it's probably not that I've just done like a million things that I'm unhappy with and have to redo them all, you know? It's more like, let's call it, I make more micro mistakes than macro mistakes. Let's put it like that. Yeah, right? that's what so. I'm saying. You know what I would go back one hour for? If I said a stupid ass joke and like, for example, no one laughed or I mega embarrassed myself, I would just rewind one hour ago and shut my mouth, you know, never say that joke ever like, again. Most of, my, most of my ones are, like, just honestly, are all probably just, like, drink-related, and so, like, an hour is not going to just do anything to it, you know what I mean? So, like, it's not even going to put a dent in it, so, like... There's, like, instant gratification things that you can do with an hour, though, in the sense of, like, you're like, oh, fuck, I wish I just said this to that person when they said this, or something. Like, actually, fuck it, replay that combo. Let's fucking go. Let's redo it. Yeah, there you go. That's the argument in the shower. Like, oh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. You get to all the smart things that you thought to say to that person. You know what? You know what? I literally tweeted after the first game, Malrang is the best fucking jungler in the LEC. Yeah, I saw that. And then he gets that second game on Elise, and I'm like, put me one hour back so I never tweet that ever again. Yeah, perfect tweet. You've got perfect tweet foresight if you can go back an hour. That is true. Yep, that there is you go. true. But yeah, I'll, pro I'll probably I'll probably go for it. Or I could hour. be like be best jungle in the LEC except on Elise, you know, in brackets. And then I would be freaking five head as well. Mm. Anyway. I also, oh, this is obviously a little bit different, but I also have this concept in my head that like when people do this whole like if you could have any superpower, what would it be? For me, it's always like the ability to rewind time. Obviously, that gives me like way more scope because I can just press a rewind button or whatever. But I feel like you can literally do and achieve anything 
by rewinding time by just having like the hindsight of the situation you know um but anyway yeah so let's get on to things that we all regret regret probably getting involved in league of legends uh but unfortunately one month would still leave us in the middle of that shithole wouldn't it so let's talk about the first thing on the agenda which is actually not games because we did this week have uh little bits of news about some roster stuff that i want to touch on quickly now i would just say obviously some of this has been confirmed by the organization some of this is technically rumor at this point but we generally know you know how these things go and i first want to talk about Dayor being rumored to be replaced we do know he's been benched uh, i don't think the lead has been announced but it's heavily rumored that he will be replacing Dayor and it's a weird one, or it's it's, a, it's one that divides opinion for sure, because obviously we have seen day, uh, we have seen leader in the uh, LEC before. The contention has always been very talented player who maybe hasn't quite lived up to his potential, possibly doesn't play particularly well with others, uh, to use that adage. And yeah, it, it, but it's been a bit of a mystery because he hasn't really played top flight competitive for a couple of years. So I want to just get your guys' thoughts, I guess, on just a you know a little bit on day but then also like what you might hope to see from leader so georgia like what do what do you think about this do you think this like increases astralis's ceiling do you think this is a good move what did you think when you saw this um well first of all i got sad because i'm i'm friends with Dayer and i think he's one of the kindest sweetest guys in the industry honestly um i've known him since the very beginning of his career where they found him from div three into NLC, into a UM finals, like straight away. And this guy was like, he was gapping mid lane, like mid laners from the ERLs, mid laners from the ERLs that are currently in the LEC, like Certus, for example. He literally had to go through Certus to, to get to the finals of that EU Masters. So I believe that he made a lot of basic mistakes uh, this season, unfortunately. I don't think his performance was uh, up to par. Do I think he evolved and developed through last year to this year? Absolutely. But do I think it was at the same standard as the top mid laners that we have in the league right now? Thinking Niski, for example, currently? I don't think so. Am I sad he's gone? Absolutely. Do I justify it? Kind of. Or in terms of performance. Now, with Leader, it's a very... It's a very weird one because every time he was like given a chance, he was instantly taken back out. But his name has never stopped circulating. Mm. It's always, hey, this team is considered this mid laner plus leader. This team is considered this mid laner plus leader. And yes, he's always the second choice, but he's always freaking there for a reason. The guy is mega talented. Let's not hide behind our finger. Like his mechanical skill is insane. The fact that he can get these picks in the likes of Assassins give some like spice and a different approach to teams. Now, when it comes to being a good teammate, I, I don't have much to say about this because unless you are in the team or have experience with him in a team, I don't know I can say much about it. Do I think it's going to be an upgrade? Depends. Has he expanded his champion pool? Is he going to be able to facilitate for 1-1-3 or is 1-1-3 going to jump back to his Hisatuanis and the Maokais pending the meta doesn't change, right? And allow leader to carry together with Finn. So... I have a lot of question marks because I wasn't very happy with how Astralis worked in general. Yeah. Uh, in my eyes, it was very hit and miss. And when you put an assassin player in the team, you never know how it's going to pan out. No, I think that's fair. What What do you think, Kira? What do you think about this? Oh, thank God, finally he's gone. But like, he, like George was saying, he's a good guy. I don't know him. I don't know any of the players. Just it's a waste of time having Dejour now on in the LEC. I actually think he was maybe better this year. 
but probably not developing like quick enough. It's like the improvements are so like incremental and not like big enough to justify like keeping them. Where like other players, you can see like their upside. Um, I did tweet out where I said Astralis might actually finish lower with, with even if you see this as an upgrade, because the other teams might get their shit together and just. You know what I mean? Like over, mm. end up overtaking them generally because like the orgs are like less disastrous. I'm talking about like XL and Fnatic. So like you know, Astralis might end up finishing eighth, and then people are like, "Oh, leader was the problem again, and Dejour wasn't actually that bad." But it's not um, binary. Like other teams can get better, and you can also get better, but you end up finishing not as high. Uh, I don't. I think Dejour in the end probably the biggest upside of his game was. Um, work actually working with his junglers um, and like protecting their camps. Uh, something I actually ha- noticed much later in his career than anything else. Uh, <clears throat> that's really about it. There's not more a lot more upside uh, than that. So you know, one like Trouble uh, was saying, one one three might end up suffering a bit more with someone like Leader. Mm. Now to talk about Leader, Leader uh, has never actually really been given like a fair shot at the LEC because both of his like fair shots weren't really like. Fair. For example, the Team Vitality team were one game about again one game From nearly beating Fnatic, yeah. who People went to the finals. That. Yeah, yeah, and they also the way they were beating Fnatic wasn't like it was replicable. It was like consistently. It wasn't like cheesing. You know what I mean? They were just yeah. playing a very very like standard game at Fnatic and Fnatic getting on winning. And if you look at those teams player for player, everyone would have thought you're fucking crazy for that Vitality team doing it. Uh, the other team, obviously, he was in was Misfits. Uh, Misfits at the time was being run by an insane house of people. Um, so I don't really think leaders had that fair shot. And I'm pretty sure was, leader was replaced by replaced by who was it? He was replaced by again. It was one of the weirdest replacements ever. Well, it wasn't I'm... perked straight away, was it? In Misfits? No, no in, in Vitality. vitality. Uh, I can't remember who oh, it was. But... I don't remember. Anyway, but basically, I, when you look at leader's performance at Vitality, it did not... If it was Perks, that's somewhat justified. If it wasn't Perks and it was Malika, but I don't think it was. Um, Milica? Yeah, I think it was Milica. It wasn't Milica. That's just fucking insanity. The, the idea of doing that is, like, just bonkers to me if it was Milica. If it's Perks, that's just a vibe. I can't remember the timeline. But when he was playing in that team, he had, like, a really... Vitality actually had a really, really interesting... Uh, understanding of like objectives where, at the time where and uh, I think this came from Leader because he was one of the only players that consistently do it where the team wouldn't just run to Drake and all die um, if they didn't think they had like control or a good setup of the Drake they would go and they would push out all the side lanes they were like one of the early EU teams that wasn't like one of the best teams to be doing that and con- concentrate farm onto like uh, like the rise Leader's lives and they would get like three, four, five waves and like turret gold on some uh, overall, I think this is the right direction for Astralis. Probably should have happened quicker. Congratulations, one of the GMs in EU is actually taking responsibility for their job. Yeah, I think I don't know. When, for me, when it comes to Dayor, I think it's really weird because when he came into the league, I thought absolutely not ready. I didn't understand it. I thought it was a bizarre decision. Obviously, there was also the backdrop that loads of players supposedly said no to Astralis because. You know, they felt maybe the scenario, uh, the situation would damage their career, which I, I kind of understand. Um, but I thought when he got to the league, initially, and I, I really do mean like right at the start, he was horrendous. And then he improved like 
a lot over the first year. He didn't become like, you know, some Super Saiyan elite mid laner or something. But I was actually, for me, like when we did our award show or whatever, he was actually my most improved player. I was like, I'm not saying he's amazing or anything like that, but I'm really surprised because I had such low expectations for him, especially after the first couple of weeks. And he actually became, you know, a, a, a human he's mid laner. He's really young. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's, he's young, like, he's, he's super inexperienced, yeah. as Georgia said, like he got made massive hey guys, he played frogs. in six months, in less than six months, he went from Div 3 yeah. to LEC. Yeah, like, this yeah is but that, that, that's, just, that's also just the insanity of the people making those like choices. Like generally players just shouldn't be doing that. I mean, I do think he got, I do think he's also the victim of, uh, like it's, 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 depends how you look at it. You can say that he was incredibly lucky in the sense that he managed to do those leapfrog maneuvers, I guess. But you can also say maybe his career could have, you know, overall been more enriched or like elongated if he had had like a slower progression. Either way, like I do think he leveled up a lot in LEC. I just feel like this year, this split specifically, you had a really unfortunate contrast for him, which is you had Nuclear in, who was in like a very similar position where, you know, he kind of came from nowhere-ish. Like, he was more of, like, a solo queue star. I guess he did play a bit in the ERLs or whatever. But people had low-ish expectations, and he didn't perform particularly well. People were putting him and Dayor in, like, a similar category, I think, of, like, mid-lane ability or whatever at the end of last split. And then this split, Dayor kind of stood still, maybe even slightly regressed, whereas Nuclear Int really improved a lot. So I think that, coupled with the fact that I just think in general it's difficult to do well in LEC um, when you're when you don't have a mid laner who's like super elite, just because that's the nature of the role and the the nature of EU having like a lot of stat mid laners. I I think it was kind of inevitable, but yeah, I don't I don't think he disgraced himself or anything like that. I think that he took a you know had a really good career progression. He improved a lot when he was in LEC, which that's kind of the point as well. You bring in someone young, you hope that they level up. So. I don't necessarily think this will be like the last we see of him. He's definitely young enough to go to like an ERL team. And if he's in the right scenario, it wouldn't be impossible, like, you know, to see him come back at some point. But I think it was the right thing to do. As for Leader, I mean, you guys have already said it. Super talented, but hasn't ever been in like a really stable scenario where it's like, it feels like he has the platform to properly sort of excel. As I said, people really underrate that vitality run a lineup and when you actually look at the players that were in that team it's kind of funny like crowny obviously back in lec he's playing with labrov who was his support and then we've got uh segenda i guess at some point it became sort of slt but segenda obviously now rogues top laner and yeah it's and and now leaders back so like that was like a better team than people gave it credit for at the time he, i think he was replaced by perks by okay so yeah, yeah. Which, which 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 is actually a, leg a legit replacement um which is unfortunate for leader um you know what i mean and most players in the lec would be replaced by any gm for fair yeah it does seem like leaders had like a bit of a rough go at it holistically like from the outside but again we don't know like all the uh comings and goings behind the scenes or, or how environment was but okay cool so let's briefly uh talk about Fnatic as well because obviously Fnatic have been uh, supposedly making a lot of changes again. None of these are confirmed, so far as I know. I don't think Fnatic's actually come out and said anything, as far as I'm aware. Could be wrong on that. Um, but the rumours are that uh, Wonder is likely to be replaced by the Academy top laner, a guy called Ascarin. For those of you that don't really watch the ERLs, my take on Ascarin. Uh, sorry. Oscarinin. Oscarinin. I always just say Ascarin. Is that wrong? I, I don't I don't you know I, what Jamada okay we were Jamada was also casting this guy and he kept saying that he was a scarring and I'm like you forget in one whole syllable man 
Okay, I side note, I watch League typically with the cast turned off. So, of, of, of course, apart wow. from your cast in uh, Georgia, obviously, uh, uh, obviously like, you know. You literally call me your favorite yeah, League yeah. personality or whatever. Someone who's telling the lies. No, Rex, who's telling the lies? I watch the broadcast <laughs> for the interviews, me. I don't even watch the games. I just like, oh, Georgia's interview, time to turn the sound on. So, yeah. Time to watch. But yeah, so, but anyway, for those who don't know, Oscarin obviously played in the Academy team in LVP. Uh, when Fnatic Academy was really good, like last spring, he was one of the reasons they were really good. He is like very talented. I do think for me, he's not like shown enough recently to the point where I'd be like, yeah, that guy, he should be like the top laner. But it really depends on what they're trying to do with the team and, and what style they want from top. He is like an aggressive player who can play like a lot of carry picks. Um, I don't think he's particularly good at weak side to be honest i think he's too inconsistent and makes too many mistakes to be a reliable weak side player so it's going to be interesting to to see how that manifests it should be added uh for context that they're also changing supposedly the support player rucks which for a lot of people seem like a bit of a weird one to begin with i suppose um as i i always said like when he came in and this is no shade on rucks like i think rucks for from what i know is like a really nice guy or whatever for me he was like the fifth or sixth best support in lvp so I was like, this is a this is really weird. Again, on that really good Fnatic team, he was like the weak link, you know? It was like one of those ERL teams where I'm like, if they had a really good support, that's legit like an LEC level team that would make playoffs in LEC, you know? Like, that's how I felt about it. So I just thought that was really strange. And I feel like they got hardcore baited by him playing two games on fucking Leona at Worlds, which I'm pretty sure I could do. And just thought like, oh, wow, this is different. And it's not Hillisang inting into the whole team. So, yeah, brilliant. Let's sign him up. Um, but anyway, yeah, so he's supposedly gone. And also their coach as well, apparently, is uh, gone. Now, coaching is one thing I always caveat by saying, I have, no, I have no clue how this person operates. Unless I have worked with the person personally, I'm not going to pretend to know like what coaches do or how good they are. I had generally heard quite positive things about him prior to him becoming head coach. I haven't really bothered to investigate, you know, after the fact what people think of him on the LEC level. But yeah, so I, I don't, I'm not sure we have any word yet on, on what that's going to be. But again, uh, I'll come to you first on this as well, Georgia. Like just on the rumored changes, like what are your takeaways from this? Like what, what did you feel... Fnatic needed to do or where they were weak and do you feel like any of these changes will address this in any way I just feel like the whole thing is a little bit bittersweet and a little bit of a joke I feel like the roster was created to fail um, if you look at the problems that Fnatic had last year it was mainly top side of the map and you take out and on, like nothing to do with Reckless at all but I believe that Abs is probably like the best AD carry we have uh, in EU right now right and he some of the games that Fnatic won last year were 1v9 by upset through that bot lane. And I'm like, okay, so you're struggling a little bit on the top side of the map. You don't have to make changes. Like, I, I literally said, if the entire Fnatic roster stays the same, I'll be happy. Because if they just work on their issues, the players and the caliber of talent they have is just over the fucking roof. So it's just going to work. But the fact that they had problems with their top side of the map yet the bot side of the map was the one that got replaced. And if you want to call it downscale, it's whatever, honestly. Like, you're taking... I, I thought that Rax was ready to go to LEC for many years now. That's not, uh, that's not a secret. I've been saying it in all of my cast every time I've casted him. Did it work? No. I feel like... I said this the entire time. If Hapsit couldn't do it, who can? Because if you have somebody at the top of your list and he's the best Eddie carry, 
anyone who's going to replace them is not going to be able to do the job, right? Especially if the problems remain on the rest of the map, which they did. Um, now, when it comes to the replacements, I'm a little bit confused, but I also understand the change with Skarinin. I just want to say right here that the way that the LEC operates right now, uh, people need to understand that right now we're in the middle of every ERL season, which means it is very difficult to buy out a player from a team because if a team in ERL is having a really freaking good run, especially going towards EU Masters and planning on winning EU Masters, this is so much more important to them than selling you the player. Because guess what? If they win EU Masters, the player's value that they have is going to go up naturally. So it's really difficult to find any player to replace somebody between winter and spring because all ERLs are busy. Most of the players have been signed. So the only change you can do is through your academy. Now, do I think Oscarina and Wonder are similar? No, not at all. I find Wonder to have an extremely wide champion pool. He can play anything from Yumi to Soraka to your carries, to your tanks, to your engages, disengages, anything you absolutely want. And for Oscarina, for the longest time uh, in... Uh, in the Masters, we were like, oh, if Nar and Gangplan get banned, mm. then what? You know, uh, that was kind of like the sentiment. So yes, carry player, really skilled at this, but you mentioned it as well. When you have to play that weak side, what do you do? And especially if Fnatic want to play again with their attention towards that bot side of the map, how how is that going to pan out? Especially again, we don't know how metas will shift and change because before MSI, there's a huge ass patch that's going to drop that could change literally the entire way the game is played over yeah. again. When it comes to Advian, I like Advian. I saw him again from the very beginning of his career. I think he's a he's a great leader. I think his engages are, are pretty insane. I haven't necessarily seen his ERL performance for the last year uh, after he got benched from, uh, from Excel. I do think he's a really freaking good support, but there's something about Hillisang and his crazy views in the game and the way he would find that small, tiny slither of engage and take it and go for the 50-50, but in his eyes it's a 70-30, mm. that I don't quite frankly know that if the top side of the map doesn't step up, which support will take that spot or which player overall in Fnatic will take that spot to do it. Yeah, I think... Uh... There's a, a sort of sentiment going around, especially recently, this idea that you need like a psychopath in your team to get it to work. Like if you have four solid players, but no one who's, you know, always perpetually looking for these little gaps, these opportunities that, yeah, sometimes a coin will land on tails, but you got to take it. And Hillisang was here, certainly that. Yeah, go on, Kira. See, like, here's a, a fucking insane concept for you. See you in DRX uh, One Worlds, right? Who is their psychopath? Who is this player? Um, okay. No, Maybe no, there's a difference between that, that, having five no, no, insane skilled yeah, players no, yeah. and then having no, 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 some no, really good is, players and a psychopath. Yeah, yeah, but like what I'm saying is like if you were to ask most like like EU people, they would say like um the support player is terrible, right? And the jungler is terrible, the top laner is like whatever, like to very to pretty good, and then obviously the ADC and the the mate, the mid laner were nuts, right? But who was like the psychopath that was setting up the game and all that? Like this concept doesn't actually have to exist. The ADCs and mids in Europe are good Zeka enough. Zeka was kind of a psychopath, depending on the pick that he was on. Like, but like, as I'm saying, like I, I think Ze like Zeka is very much comparable to like the players that like, you have like in EU in terms of like levels. I mean, I think this is like, like a, I would say this is generally no, I'm just saying an in idea terms of that. Construction. 
Yeah, Where yeah. Where does it come from? It, no, it's it's just a, it's a thing that EU players believe. You know, when like a team is stale or it's not performing at like a level, or they just feel like everyone's doing fine in their roles and they don't have like the magic source, it's always like. Ah, uh, if only we had a Maorang or a Hillasang or something who just yeah. like the the spark basically. And as I said, this is I'm I'm not saying I agree or disagree with this. By the way, it's just like this sort of narrative that I've been hearing a lot about recently from different players. It's like this concept that sometimes if something's not working, but there's not necessarily anyone who's like solely to blame or everything's just a bit mediocre that you kind yeah. of need the spark plug. It seems like a patchwork to be a mediocre team though. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, sure. I mean. I, I I'm not gonna lie, I put that much thought into it. I just thought. Uh, no, I'm I just mentioned... curious, like where the concept, where where it came from conceptually. Well, I mean, like... more recently, right? It would have been from like uh, watching Maorang, I guess, and kind of especially like if you watch the Malmo games and stuff like that. This idea that if everyone commits to supporting the psycho, then you know, good things will happen. And then obviously historically in like the support position, obviously Hillisang has been like doing it for years. I think it's like an amalgam of those two things where people just have started then... buying into this this idea. And I, I guess even to a certain extent, you know, like Humanoid is a bit of a psychopath sometimes. And like, the G2 there. team where everyone would get behind the play and stuff like that. Sure, like, I yeah. See where the idea was yeah. like sold on. But I'm saying is it's like, if you actually look at like the success. Oh, the mate, no, like, you think these players are applied like actual science to this? This is obviously. I'm not saying that applies feel... science. It's just an interest. I'm just saying it's interest. I was just curious where like that came from conceptually. Anyway, yeah, you know? but anyway, yeah. So, I mean, Kira, what do you think of like in terms of Fnatic? Like, what would you have looked to change based right. on what you saw this split? So, first of all, I believe that, like, okay, I don't know anything about coaching staff. I don't talk about coaching staff. I generally think, unless you have really big insight into the team, you should not address it. I think the coaching staff of the Split Award is an abomination, right? But Yamal Cannon, what he got leveled to him compared to this guy, right, is completely narrative-based. This guy should have gotten way, way, way more, like, Stuff because all the the hallmarks that the uh, Yamato Cannon was blamed for, right, are still here in this team. So like, why are we not blaming him for the exact same reasons? I think it's more likely it's the players, right? But we were quite happy to blame Yamato Cannon and just say all the problems were his, right? But I so I I was never saying it was any of the problems because I didn't know who the problems were. But Yamato Cannon got dogpiled for it. Does this guy probably deserve to be removed? With the time within the time frame, probably not. But I don't know anything about him. I don't know if it's a good removal, bad removal. I have nothing to say over the magic. I'm just saying, in comparison, like narratively, yeah, way the less public fear. Bit of hate. I think yeah, also a lot of people. If you ask them, I would just say this: like, if you ask a lot of people who the fanatic coach was, they probably didn't even know. Yeah, I don't think this guy is like. More in your yeah, face. Yamato's way a much bigger name. He does interviews. He does the desk. I don't think Crusher's done a single interview. Maybe he has. I don't know. I as you know, I only watch George's interviews. So if she's not interviewed so. him, then... I don't think he's had. No. Okay. Uh, so the thing is, you usually interview the winners and they <laughs> yeah. only had like two they only True. had two wins and you you would want to speak to the to the players right and yeah. not get their high trouble yeah uh right uh, yeah, rocks rocks is like up there with like mover and Karelius and then rated for like the worst support players to have ever played Nisbeth don't forget about Nisbeth that guy was they're all like he's in that bracket he's in like that like school like he can be the best and greatest guy like imaginable. Like he doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't know like his role. Like he doesn't know like his position or like what he should be doing at like lots of like given times. And he like sells a lot of fanatics' backline position. Like people look at like um uh like like 
uh, I'll come to him in a bit eventually. I'm like reckless of like humanoid, right? And they're like talking about him getting caught, right? But what they're not realizing is they'll have like a Nautilus player that's like engaging with, in a scenario where the Nautilus player should be actually peeling for backline. And like, if you like look at the skills, like the balance of probability is that like no player in the world would be able to dodge all the CC that's being thrown at the backline unless the Nautilus is like peeling for you. You know what I mean? Because inside that composition, Rook should be doing a different role. He's not understanding his role when he's. Losing team fights for it. Um, I don't know. Like I, I, I like investigated drugs a little bit going into the season. I wasn't very hopeful. Wasn't very hopeful for him with reckless. I don't think. I think reckless has been like fine. I just don't think he's really been the problem. The problem is, is he's not really been because like reckless's like superpower is like bound to like the quality of his support. Yes, right? very true. And because and because the quality of his support is so low, you don't get to have. Reckless's superpower, and so you're actually getting the worst version of Reckless. So Upset would have been better on this team, right? But if you wanted to do something different with this team, Reckless could be better than Upset, right? But not with this support. You you need, I don't even think, even if you get Advin, I don't think Reckless will be better. I think it would still more likely be Upset. You need a really high quality of support player who plays the map understands the other lanes, like Hellasang of old, to really make the most of, like, what Reckless is doing. And Rox isn't going to be doing that. Uh, so, yeah, he's kind of got to go. But I also think, in a weird way, even though I don't think his play really justified it, you can't, if you're looking to be an elite team, it's also kind of got to be Reckless. Next one. So would you put up, just quickly, would you put Upset back in the team if you're for that? I would, unironically, just for hilarity, put Upset in the team with Reckless' support. I would. I genuinely would. I don't know why that's like crazy. And just play for lane. The two two insane laners and just literally just do it. And just hope to go. I think it's better than anything you can make with Advian. I'm being really deadly serious. I okay. genuinely think that's that would be the best. If you're like your aim is to like try and like peak out at the highest it can possibly be, that's what I would do. But anyway, wonder. This guy has been skating on piss ice this season. Why? Him wonder Kaiser and a couple of other players are just literally living on like years of baggage that like just doesn't exist now. People are like talking about Wonder, right? As like, oh, he's like this weak side savant and he's doing all these things for his team, okay? He's like playing like the Gragas counter match into Photon and getting solo killed three times in a game. I don't know under what circumstances that's good weak side play, and that's an entire game loss from top side. That's one game of nine completely lost from top side. And we can just keep going through like all the different games, right? And Wonder is making loads of like massive critical er errors in them. I don't know anything about this guy that's replacing them, but I think Wonder's individual play this split has been really, really, really poor. I, I remember seeing Wonder laughing at Evi on Dom's stream, and he was talking about how everyone gives them Kisante because nobody actually thinks he's a good player. Well, how's about you be a good player, Wonder, and actually fucking carry some fucking games? Because your bot lane's doing nothing. Why don't you fucking play a carry top laner, dickhead, and fucking carry some fucking games? Like, I actually just can't, like, he's actually just sitting there flaming Evi like that, but then he, he's just literally roasting it down lanes. I actually just had enough. I was like, no, that is just insane to me, like, what is going on. So, I, I did see... I, I did see quite a funny clip of like that Riot did of like uh, just one of these content like Shakira's content pieces where they were asking it was like oh higher or lower I guess who's like had the most kills like or more kills or whatever and it got to what like Wonder was one of the people participating and they were like higher or lower uh, someone and Oddo 
and he was like, oh, uh, lower or whatever. And they're like, eh, Otto got like 52 kills or whatever it was. And Wanda goes, that's absolutely pathetic. And they're like, higher or lower? <laughs> yeah, higher or lower, you or Otto? And he's like, me. And he's like, actually, no, you had less kills. And he was just like, ah, sucks. And it's just yeah. like, I mean, I, do, I would say like, I think that Wanda is a really good personality. He's like he's a, I think he's a really good personality as well in the sense that clearly he will like sort of play to the fact that people know that he trolls and he's like cocky and all the rest of it. Like I wouldn't hold that against mm -hmm. him like too much because honestly, if we didn't have players like Wonder in the league, it would be fucking boring. So yeah, it's kind We're of funny that he's playing like trash or can play like trash sometimes, but I don't know. I don't really begrudge him that. I would also just add as well, I think Razork's been playing to topside horribly this split. He has. Like, Wanda has been straight up inted, like, multiple times. There have been multiple games where, sure, he's, like, not played well. Like, a lot of the solo kills, obviously, you can't blame Razork for a fucking 1v1. But um, also, some of the times he's been, other teams have been able to dive him or go, like, three topside or whatever is straight up Razork's fault. And nothing to do with Wonder, so I I would. Add Here's that. A, another another like specific game where he, uh, Wonder's playing the Gwen. Uh, it was I can't remember who it was into. He was playing uh Gwen. Probably Cassante uh, if it was this season. No, yeah, but he was. I can't remember the team troubling. Sorry, right? Oh. And him and Humanoid, right? Decide between the two of them, they don't want to win this game, and just in every single side lane situation, and he has such a massive lead, and right, that's supposed to be like his card game. That's like. Where are the quality games? Where are the good games that justify it? Like, I don't think just removing them just on a whim is a good idea either. But then I go and listen to like the broadcast, I go and listen to other shows, and everyone is talking about him being like this quality weak side player. And I I I, I rewatch the games, I can't see it. Like I think I agree with trouble. Like I think a lot of the, the problems stem from top side, Wonder Razork. I don't know how fixable they are. I don't know if this is better, but I don't know. Um. Fuck. I'm adding humanoid in the top side as well. I think the entirety of top side was a problematic point for Fnatic. Again, not because of the skill of the players, but maybe the way they were messing together. Um, I think when we're sitting here and we're like, Rux didn't work out, Reckless was whatever, humanoid, kind of invisible, this split, Razor was running it, Wonder was running it or whatever. I think the problem stems from even deeper and not necessarily the skill of the player or whether Wonder can play Wixad or if he's good on Soraka or Janna top lane because he is. He's fucking proved it. He doesn't need to prove it again. Like, the fact that he's done the run... No, you need to prove it now, No, no, no. That's what I'm trying to say. He's done the fucking run to go to World's Finals not because everyone else was peace weak but because he was freaking strong to stand against them. And fair enough, people have evolved a lot and developed since then. But the problem right here stems from even deeper. Because a lot of the times, we do not get to see what happens behind closed doors. If everyone is at each other's throat, if nobody wants to play with each other, if nobody likes the coaching staff, if the coaching staff doesn't like the players in the end, if they don't like each other, if they don't want to sit down. I saw the Excel uh, little video that they had and it broke my freaking heart to see like a video mm. say, I understand this was a wrong play, but no one said otherwise, you know? And it feels like <laughs> when a team has no voice... When a team has no voice, but you're also hitting on the one person who's trying to make the place, for example, it just gets even worse because then nobody's going to get up and make the place. Everybody's going to run it. Everybody's going to try to play for themselves. And at the end of the day, if you're not going to play as a team, it just shows. And I think for both Fnatic and Excel, it showed 
because something behind the scenes was just not right. And that's the irony of Vito saying that, where I would say Vito's biggest problem is using these in mm. the game more than anything, as they're listening. As he talks, people answer him, and he just does whatever the fuck he wants anyway. <laughs> that, that, that'd be my biggest takeaway from Vito. That, that. That, that comms leak, like that, that, that VOD getting yeah. leaked was like... Fucking wild, that was a Pandora man. box. I mean, yeah. I th- well, the wild, most wild thing was it wasn't even a leak, right? Wasn't it just a deli- <laughs> yeah, an official release, <laughs> a deliberate upload to YouTube? That was really weird. But Bold. honestly, like, I am really glad that it happened in a sense because, like, a lot of people will speculate and try and apply blame to people and stuff like this. And I'm not gonna like, you know, spend any time like going into detail or calling people out, but. Jesus Christ, bot lane. Like, you just didn't talk at all. Like, the, all this hate, for example, that Berserksy was getting on Reddit of, like, being the problem or whatever for people who, in my opinion, weren't actually really paying attention to what was going on and how, how he was pathing and so on. Like, how the hell was he meant to function when bot lane never gives any info at all? They're just silent in lane, like, completely silent. It was insane. And I think stuff like that is actually important. Um, again, I don't think that orgs should be outing their players by accident, but... Uh... No, no, sorry, but that's what I'm trying to say, right? That one little problem in the bot lane, which can be fixed very easily, right? That communication can be something that can very easily be fixed. It affected Xerxes. Yeah. Which then, it oh, affected yeah. VTO, and it affected Odo, yeah. and it affects the entire team, and it affects the atmosphere, and if the atmosphere and the connection and the link and the trust breaks... It's just so, like, we're talking about this. It's like, oh, yeah, we're just chilling down and play fucking video games. But have you heard how best teams operate? They're friends. They, they don't have to be best friends, but they're chilling together. They're doing shit together. Especially in the Western region, it feels like the atmosphere that you have behind the scenes is just so important yeah. to the player's performance. And I agree. I think you need a very healthy work environment, like we all do. Doesn't matter if you're doing a freaking nine to five. Doesn't matter if you work in a call center. You need a healthy work environment for you to wanna show up and show off, right? Especially when you're playing for a team like Fnatic, where they haven't won anything in six years, but the baggage and the finger is still on them, right? To be the best, because they're Fnatic. So mm. expectations, no good team atmosphere, all these things can actually break you. So this is why I'm sitting here. And when I'm seeing Fnatic and Excel and the rookies that have come in or gone, I'm like, I I don't want to blame anyone. I'm somebody who deeply loves the players and wants to see the players succeed. Uh, and in no way, shape or form, I will ever shit talk a player. So I'm like, fucking fix it. You know, these are mm. good players. Fix it. Someone yeah. needs to know how to mentally help these people fix it. And then, of course, on the rift. Because the skill is there. Yeah, I mean, yeah. just to add on to that, I do think when there are scenarios when a team like completely collapses or isn't functioning like at all because of things like communication, to me, that is on staff, honestly. Like there's, there's like, how, how can you not get, unless someone is like has serious, I'm not even going to speculate or go there, but like unless there are like serious issues going on kind of almost like outside a game, how can you not, get people to communicate like that's insane that's absolutely insanity like how is it I'm possible just gonna say here rich you know because obviously you're working as an agent right um it blows my mind that the whole sort of concept of trying out players no longer exists mm. you see someone performing well and then you go to their agent is he a good player of course he's a good player yeah. you're the freaking agent <laughs> what would you ever say otherwise right 
and you see the performance, but you have no clue. Are they a leader behind the scenes? Do they talk behind the scenes? What is their attitude when it comes to off-screen? Because players from IRLs, guess what? They're playing from their homes, most yeah. of them. They're chilling in their homes and they're playing, but then you get ripped out of your home. Some people still live with their family, right? They haven't necessarily developed into the adult living on their own. And suddenly you get slapped in the face by life. You get slapped in the face by the team. You're not the leader. Or you're not as vocal as they expected. And then the blame drops on you. And then you drop the domino on everyone yeah. else. This is why I'm like, how are people not doing tryouts? I think That's it's so mental. important to see, to see if players gel together. They talk. They understand each other. You know, because one player might not show that they have something, you know, on the screen. For example, when 113 joined Astralis, I was like, I can't believe it. You know, all the blame fell on him for Casey not making even like playoffs. But suddenly he joins Astralis and he's doing pretty well. He pulled out like a Malrang esque performance on that mark. And I was like, where the heck did that come from? Yeah, I mean, I, I the, to me, the if you don't do tryouts, you're not doing your job. Like, that's just my opinion. I just think that unless you know, like, if I've worked, for example, if I've worked with Biancos and I need a, like, in the past and I need a jungler yeah. and I know him, sure, I can make that call based on the sure. pieces I have and whatever. But if you don't have that context, you don't do tryouts, you're, you're just not doing your job, in my opinion. But anyway, let's move on to what will be the first matchup of uh, this week, which is... Uh, Georgia's hometown team, SK Gaming, up against, uh, I'd say, the least Spanish Spanish org of all time in Mad Lines. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. What, Have a Lioya. That is true. Uh, probably not for much longer, but he is there for now, yeah. Um, so, yeah, oh. what... What are what are your oh sorry that wasn't a leak by the way that's just you know his contract <laughs> you is, say that his contract's expiring fairly soon you know lots of teams try to buy oh, him in the offseason okay. that's you know all all known so it would seem that if he doesn't sign a new contract soon I would imagine that's what's going to happen anyway uh, yeah so what are your thoughts on this matchup Georgia I mean most people I guess would have Mad probably as favourites here but SK have looked pretty good recently like what do you think about this matchup who who do you favor oh so i look at the map in like very separate situations because everyone is like it's such a bot-centric meta and even though i deeply agree that that is the case and if you can't play caitlin lucian like this is a big mistake that you're making because you can take control of the entire game with just one player uh but then looking at mad's mid jungle it's just mind-blowing. The fact that Niski has developed into this superstar, I'll hold on my own in the mid lane and the jungle will play around me, is just, I think it's just some of the best thing that I've seen Mad Lions do. Because last year, he was the Doinbee of uh, of LEC. He was roaming all the time, push to go side lane. But right now, they're playing a lot for that mid jungle. And you've seen how their skirmishes really freaking work. So I'm looking at Marcuna Sertus, who have also been playing that two versus two. And I'm like, okay, if it's not going to be a bot lane thing, which, mind you, I think there's going to be a lot of two versus two action uh, down the bot lane. I think it's going to come down to that two versus two um, in the mid jungle, which I find them both, um, I'd say, very ballsy from both sides. I think Elyoya and Marcuna are not shy of fighting and they're not shy of taking these two versus twos. And I think this is where games will be played. And we might see games being done um, fairly quickly, I would say, from the early game. Okay. What, what I'm not you... going to tell you who I give it no, to sure, because sure. Uh, I'm not going to jinx anyone. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. What, I mean, what do you think, Kira? Like, who who do you think has the edge in this one? 
I don't actually I don't really know. Uh, I think a lot of this is team prep. This is a really heavy prep. I think this is like Markun versus Aloya. Uh, I would say generally Mad Lions have an advantage, except okay. So like there's been like a redemption arc for uh, the bot lane of like Mad Lions. Cards say Hellasang have kind of been on their own like redeeming redemption arc. Congratulations to them. It's been really sick, really great to watch them playing really well. Uh, but I think Exa Kicks probably one of the best ADCs in the league. Yeah. Probably a little bit of a step ahead of the current understanding of bot lane over Karzi. That's not to say a lot. That's not to say Karzi's infamously clutch um, in playoffs. Mm. He's very, very, very uh, clutch. I'd probably say he's one of the biggest guys that can just turn it on. He, ha- he is one of those people that does have an on button like Humanoid. Uh, why the Mad Lion team of old was a little that also scary. Um, Mad Lions and series really weird because I actually rate kind of rate their coaching staff. They have like really their team looks really well coached. Um, I've like spoken to their coach. Guy seems to know what he's like doing. Uh, but series play has been a bit of a sticking point of this team. The Bo three series is a lot different to the Bo five series. I think it will be a really, really good matchup. I think it could be really, really, really close. I think it could be really volatile, like uh, um, Trouble said, particularly because Mad Lions have no moved away from Jungle Quadrant Invasion to playing for 2v2 mid, which I think is a symptom of a problem where I think... So basically, the team that's playing for Jungle Quadrants right now is G2. G2 believe in the Jungle Quadrant, Holy Grail, and they believe in farming and putting farm onto Yike. That's what a lawyer used to do. That's what a lawyer used to be through uh, Niski. Uh, but now they have decided they are now one of the 2v2 yeah. lanes. Uh, they are a very good 2v2 lane. But I actually think individually, uh, Niski's had some screamers, some really weird, like, high-variance, like, games. Um, I would say he's, like, topside, like, his... Uh, like he's upside, like his uh, carry games, if you want to call them that. Um, they've been better this year, but I think his floor has really came down, to be honest. Uh, I think he had like a really good uh, floor uh, last year, and it's actually came down like a fair amount. I think he overplays a lot of lane situations. I think he kind of gets himself into what situations where how he plays the lane, a lawyer like has to opt into a 2v2, where I'm not sure that's always the plan. Uh, but yeah, generally, I think this is going to be a really, really sick matchup. I really want to see what each team's prepped in terms of the pick ban, the priorities. Uh, I actually think there's a possibility for uh, Irrelevant and Chasey to really spice this series up because you could end up isolating topside because you're so concentrate- concentrated on the 2v2s, um, mid and bottom, that you end up with a really isolated top lane matchup and you can end up in skill matchups where it's like solo lane control, and anyone who gets that little edge in terms of wave state pulls their jungler away for a little while, and the other team gets to make the play mid, the other team gets to make the play ball, the other team gets the dragon. And so I think it's a really, really interesting matchup. I know it doesn't actually look that sexy on paper, but I'm really looking forward to this series. Yeah, this is why I said I see the game like very separate right now because it feels like if you are a 2v2 team, which Mud Lions are right now, they want to play through that mid and jungle, then this part gets isolated, then Chase stays on his own bot top lane, then the bot lane will not move because Exekick and Dos will push them to play that two versus two. So you've got like three completely isolated yeah. scenarios and you're like, 
it could be anyone's game. And I think depending also on who gets ahead, because top lane can like get completely out of control. Like Kiri said, if you have the Jaxes in the top lane, if you have the Jaces, yep. if you have the, the Yones coming out of Chasey, and this guy, mind you, was one of the best Jace slash um, Nara players that we had in the ERLs last year, like obviously. Yeah. And if you do get the upper hand over irrelevant, then mind you, sides really matter whether you're blue on red right now and whether you get a counter pick or not. You could have, like, for example, one side of the map top snowballing top side, one side of the map snowballing bot side, and good luck to the bot side if that guy snowballing top is playing Olaf or Jax, because you're going to pay for that price. But can I ask, Tom, like, why do you think, if you look at G2 this year, right, they... Um, I think Yipe looks like a very like good jungler. I think a lot of people have handed him the crown. I think he is the best current jungler, but like that doesn't really ma matter much because when you talk about someone's jungle career, it's more like you talk about them over like a breadth of time rather than any yeah. given singular moment. Um, but when I look at what G two is doing with Yipe, where you're getting like three, four, five thousand gold leads every single game, they're producing like. I always thought like that Mad Lions used to be the team that's doing that. Now G two basically doing what like Mad Lions do, but like, but G I think it's a better way to play the game. Like I think it's just a more consistent way. It's more replicable. It's reliant on less like player ability than what um Mad Lions are doing. Why do you think Mad Lions moved away from it and opted into a more volatile, more skill based system? I don't know that that answer to that because I feel like if they were playing the same way they were playing last year with chasing the top lane playing carries, they would mega benefit from it. Like you feed that guy in the top lane, he's going to carry the shit out of every team fight, right? But I feel like maybe they still have this in the bag. They haven't had to show it because the meta has now swapped. So you have this facilitating junglers, of course. I think this is one of the biggest points, right? Maokai, Setsuani. These are not going to farm in the jungle. These want to get repeated ganks outside uh, of the jungle and get their laners ahead, right? Again, bot-centric meta. Gank bot. Whoever ganks bot starts getting ahead. You snowball the dragons. You end the game through that. Uh, so I feel like always the jungle swap has a very big impact on how the game is going to be played. If, again, they minimize the timer between the resets of the camps and you can farm them repeatedly again, the Graves will come out, the Needles will come out, the Lilias will come out, the Belveths will come out. And obviously, I just said a couple of champions that Yike has already played in a meta where Setsuani and Maokai are really strong. And I think that's because Yike is probably one of the smartest junglers I've ever seen on the LEC in terms of protecting himself. Yeah. He knows how to play a variety of different styles of jungles. And he knows exactly that if shit hits the fan, how do I get the optimal scenario where I reach X item with minimal damage from my team? And he will take that path. I feel that Marang gapped him so hard in game one by reading how he wanted to move on the map. And then Yike came around because then in his side, he got to that item and then he knew that he could play the map around this pick. And he was absolutely brilliant to watch because Malang tried to play so well around Vision and Yag did nothing wrong. He had a great pathing. He had a great invade, but Malang played around Vision very well. Uh, and I think that was a big showcase of like two junglers trying to sort of outbrain each other. And Yag came out on top in the end because, of course, draft the way you place Malang being a champion. But I feel like he's one of the safest and most clever junglers to get to the optimal point so then he can team fight and then he can take over. I remember him as a Kha'Zix player from the ERLs 
And the way he was playing Kazix was so much different to anyone else. We're like, wait, this guy's sitting in his jungle farming with Kazix. Does he really think he's going to one-shot people 50 minutes in? He was one-shotting people 50 fucking minutes in because he needed his three, four, five items, but then he would carry. So I think playing like this through ERL, being very clever on how to get there without relying necessarily on his team has made him so freaking clever on how to play the game on every champion, on every style. Yeah. No, I think uh, it's a very interesting matchup. I think it's going to be a very close matchup. I would expect this to not be a sweep either way. That's that's for sure. Yeah. I feel like also blue side uh, is going to be important uh, for both teams, I feel. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, usually I do actually push people to make predictions. But one, you, uh, Georgia says she won't anyway. And two, to be honest, I don't, re I, I don't really feel like, strongly about... This myself. Is it impossible way, like... to predict this no, one? Yeah, I, I, I would I've... say it's slightly favoured towards Mad Lion. Yeah, better, say... better, slightly better player quality, but it's a, it generally is a coin cost. Yeah, I, I, I think it's super close, and I'm, I'm really interested to see the two v two bot over multiple games as well, because I actually do feel. Oh, like yeah. I agree. I agree completely with what you said, Kira. Like I'm like one of the biggest sort of Kazi slash Hillasang haters in that sense, right? But I do think they've been. Uh, well, they've certainly performed way above what I thought they would this year, especially together. I thought that was a, a match made in hell, not a match made in heaven, but they seem to have pretty decent synergy. Well, you know um, what What happens when you put two coin flips together? Well, both true. coins. Well, you put them into one and then both sides will, will end on the on the side that you want, you know? Yeah, yeah that, so that, is, that is true. And But yeah, I do think that to my mind, I think you could make, I'm just trying to think, but I think you could probably make an argument that Exekick's been the best ADC in the league. I don't think that's... I might agree with uh, that, actually. I don't think I that's outrageous. That. Um, he's definitely at least in the conversation. I'm not saying he is the best. Uh, sorry, Kiri, look like you're about to burst out. No, your... no. I was going to say, right, because I think Yike is getting all the jungle credit for what Han Sam is doing for the team. That's, there's definitely like, some truth in that. Yike, the... what, what Yike is doing is impossible if Han Sam doesn't win every lane. Like, it, it cannot be done categorically. The numbers advantages do not exist for in your, uh, in your games if Han Sama hasn't got those you know, lane pushes if you're not diving. Yeah, you know what's mental? What's actually mental is every single game that G2 plays red side before the... Uh, this is obviously conjecture, but I'm assuming before the game, no matter what he's playing, if it's Graves, like, no matter what the clear speed, whatever it is, Yike will plan his path on his first clear, ending up in blue side river like by Krugs. like every time like he's planning for it because he knows by the time he passed down there like if he starts red and then goes like blue and then comes down he knows Hans Sammer will have shoved them under tower by the time he yeah. gets um, there it's well you mental. have nothing to lose because even if you don't kill you can just steal the Krugs and get out like yeah. your bot lane has already shoved you just back you get the tempo on the map you get the item first you just get the quick refresh right especially I remember uh, what you just said right now I thought of the Graves game that he had for example and I'm like even if you don't get the kills right there, your botling has instantly won because they're one level up. The other botling cannot reach under the tower. You've taken a plate and you can steal the crags away. And that's it. Even if you don't steal anything away, you're playing Graves. You're chilling and your botling's winning. I'll raise you this. What is the advantage that Markun is doing for his team with Exekit compared to what Hansama and Yike do? I feel I think like it's, Markun, I think it's worse. I think it's just a worse like... version of League. Um, no, I think like Marcoon doesn't necessarily have to rely towards that bot lane 
to do things on the map. I feel like Marcoon is one of these players where if he sees the engage, he'll take the engage no matter what his bot lane is doing. But due to the fact that now he was talking about it in Euphoria actually today, because he was saying our screams were going to shit. Like my bot lane was dead level two and level three every single game. But right now they're killing every LEC bot lane level three, which is insane to think that the two rookies that came in have killed almost every veteran bot lane there is in the LEC. So the fact that he doesn't have to worry about playing towards that bot side and playing towards a two versus two with the champions like the likes of Vi, like the likes of Maka, like the likes of Sejuani. I just want to reiterate, Volibear made Markun famous. And that's because he had that go button to him that he could engage whatever he wanted. So whenever he has the trigger in his hand, the meta just enables him. And this particular one enables him so hard to even coin toss that 50-50 engage and get that kill. Because he's done it a lot of the times, and due to his team being so skilled and so quick to trigger themselves as well and go forward, that's why they've won a lot of these team fights. Yeah. Okay, cool. Let's move on to what is, you know, I guess at this point, a hypothetical matchup. But I just want to talk about Koi a little bit here. Obviously, the winner of this game will then play against Koi, as I understand it, for the right to then play against G2. Yeah. Now, obviously, we saw... Koi play against G2 uh, this this uh, week just gone. They lost 3-1, of course, and G2 looked pretty incredible for at least big chunks of that series. Um, I guess the way I want to put this, and I'll start with you on this, Kira, do you see, first of all, a world in which Koi, if they were to make it through their next round, that, that they could beat G2 in the final? Do you see that as a possibility? No. This happened in Malmo, where the upper bracket game, G2 annihilated them, then they went to the finals and beat them. Series are series, they're very different apart, prep is different. Within that series, though, Koi had no chance of beating G2. They were just the worst team across the board. The only game they won is because uh, Yike literally went full handless for a full series and was missing like every skill shot on Lilia, fail flash the wall, cats fail flash, like, you know what I mean? Like, it was skill checking, man. <sighs> If you're relying on the other en enemy teams, like skilled players, making like massive mechanical failures, then that's not a system to win. That's just you like catching their punt, which is fine. Being able to catch a punt is part of League of Legends. Um, but G2 just looked like they had their number completely. This was the meeting of Titans, the two elite bot lanes, Comp and Trimby versus Hansama and Mickey. And one, the other, uh, Hans, uh, Comp and Trimby got ass blasted off the face of the earth. They literally just got scorched there. Like they they looked a lot worse out of this series. They got re they got beaten like pretty badly. Um, I don't know. Like and also this was one of those weird series where like BB decided like he was going to actually like the mythos, the idea of what people like me have of like BB, and we like hopefully think BB is going to be. He actually like was this um series. Uh, but no, just in general, I didn't think like Rogue had really looked like they had the qualities. I've actually really enjoyed Rogue's adaptations this series this year, where like Larson and Malrang actually have a two v two dynamic now, where they are actually like a duo system, uh, rather than Malrang. <laughs> well, rather than Malrang just like killing what they call it, uh, Larson's overextended lane opponents, they are actually like playing around like the Sage Silas Sage Silas combo. You can argue how good that combo actually is uh so yeah just generally i think people love to give coaching staff credit 
And again, I'll go back to my previous poll. I do not know how people don't just sing the praises of Dylan, uh, Dylan on D2. Because the guy's literally been given the Ferrari, okay, and he hasn't fucked it up. At no time it was like he made he's made three consecutive finals. He there was nothing he could do at Worlds because Caps just played so bad. And if you want to play blame Dylan Falco for Caps playing bad, then whatever, just do that then. But he he has actually done very, very good with all these teams. All the pieces on the teams look like he's got like a rookie jungler. I a lot of these early game setups from Yike look a little bit designed. Not to say that Yike doesn't know what he's doing. But they look really, really like on red side we do this every single time. On blue side we try this every single time. On these situations, well, a little bit of variance when Caps gets like lane pushing and stuff. Um, but yeah, I think uh, I, if I was to be a better man and Koi was to show up at the same level, I wouldn't expect them to win any games because the only game they won was G two punting into space. What do you What do you think, Georgia? And do you think that? Um either of these teams, Mad or SK, would have a decent shot in this matchup against Koi? If Koi plays how they played in this best of series versus G2, I think absolutely both of them have a mega chance. Yeah, I think if anything, I think SK has even more of a chance than Mad because if Comp and Tribby show up to the level they did versus mm. G2, I think Exeki and Dos yeah. will just eat them for breakfast, legit. Uh, even though I love my boy Comp uh, to the deep depths of my heart, <laughs> that was not a very good performance uh, by the bot lane. Uh, it, it saddens me, honestly, because I feel like Probably one of the best performing players when the series was going well was uh, Marrank and Larson trying to play around this mid-jungle uh, duo, which I'm just going to say even now, because, Kira, you mentioned a little bit of synergy. I'm like, still, that's not the synergy I want to see from a mid-jungle duo. Yeah, you know? it's not I good. I need more. Like, I need, yeah. like, if your jungler is a psychopath, I need more. Like, give it your everything uh, at this point. Uh, but we know Larson. Larson is this very reserved player that's going to pop off in his moments uh, later on in the team fights, right? But I think if Koi want to bounce back, I think bot lane performance is going to have to play a huge role. Uh, Comp and Trimby stepping up. I don't know. I don't know, and I don't care if that means you bring back Kalista Soraka, if that is what you feel comfortable on, and you just snowball through the early phase. Uh, but the whole psychopath thing that we talked about with Malrank is just not enough. Like, mm. even if he makes these crazy moves that maybe will catch somebody off guard, right? Camp toppling for five minutes straight, like, Botland needs to actually perform. Yeah. No. I... So, uh, yeah, I think I think G2 might take it if it goes there. Uh, might be a different case if Mad or SK make it all the way to the finals, right? Because I feel like whether Mad or SK make it through, I think they have a huge chance oh. for scoring. Here's a chance to go for your trouble. If you had to design any of the teams how they had to approach to beat G2, how would you do it? Okay, I think you have to stay true to your map design play because G2 has so many fucking curveballs in like in in terms of draft. The fact that Dylan came up in an interview to Lore and said, "I've got so many troll picks recommended to me and only a very tiny percentage make it through." And he says, "We still have more to come." And a lot of these things aka a Zach Midlane or a Zach Jungle can break an entire team, right? You don't know the dynamic of a champion. You've not played against it. You know, teams will not be screaming each other going towards probably uh, the final. So you don't know what each other is playing. So throwing in a curveball, the only thing you can do is stay true to what you play best. This is why I mentioned with Koi. If you have to resort back to Kalista Soraka, do it. 
if that's what's make you what's gonna make you snowball the lane, do it. If you have to be one mile ranks at Duani every single game, do it. You know, like stick to what you feel the most comfortable. And I think this is what's gonna get you back into the winning mindset, right? Because a lot of players say, if we don't win games, we forgot how mm. to do it. So get your comfort, win it first, and then you can start experimenting. But I do think when it comes to G2 and their prep, they're fucking insane. The drafts, the bans, the way they want to play around the map, it just feels like every single time, the plan is great. Picks and bans most of the time are great when it comes to drafting. So props to Mr. Dylan right there and the players, of course, and all the other coaching staff behind the scenes. Uh, but I think G2 always looks like this formidable opponent unless something happens in game and they just don't perform. So yeah, this this is where I kind of want to uh, finish off here, guys, on this last topic, which is obviously G2 await, you know, the winners of this sort of mini gauntlet scenario. And I want to know from you guys, I guess, you know, everyone considers G2 to be heavy favorites, no matter who they play in the final. We'd have to see something really special in these next couple of series to, I think, be convinced otherwise. To your mind, which of these teams in their best case scenario, because none of them are beating them if, you know, they're not on form or on song or playing, you know, in a, in a replicable high level way, which of these teams would you most likely, most like, sorry, to see play G2? Who do you think really has the best chance? Kira, I'll start with you. Who do you think if they're Koi. on their absolute Koi? Okay. Koi and Onikai. It's Onikai. Realistically, it's Onikai. The other teams are too flawed in a variety of different ways to deal with G2's strengths. The, like, form factor matters. Like, G2 could show up on the day and just play 50 times worse than, you know, FK Gaming are now LEC champions of winter, right? That can happen. I've seen it happen a million times in leagues. Blue lost to KT Arrows, who didn't even go to Worlds, and Blue was the best team in the world. Like, it happens. Like, teams play bad. Like, folk have bad days. But if an iteration or a version of a good G2 shows up, only Koi can beat them. And the only way I think they can beat them is through mid-jungle. And they've got to hammer it. I think scaling against G2 is a really bad idea for Koi. And it's I know it's so anathema to how they see the game. But I don't think... I think jungle... Sorry, I think jungle for Koi right now is too important. And you need to kind of like back up Malrang's playstyle um, to... And be, basically be the early aggressors. Because I don't think Malrang will farm as efficiently as Jake. He won't pick as efficient scaling champion as Jake. And so if you're looking at a 25, 28, 30-minute game and thinking, oh, if we get Larson on Azir, we can like get into these winning situations, I think that's actually a false prophecy because I think slowly over time, G2 will farm the map better than you. They'll find better map plays than you. They'll find better winning positions than you. I actually think Coin need to like up the tempo and try and find a way yeah. to... Um, I just like basically the key to beating G two almost historically at any given time, and it's one of the things that won in Malmo is neuter uh, caps. Now you know what I mean it's that's like saying the way to beat IG in season eight is to beat rookie. You know yeah. what I mean? Like you know what I mean it's like I say it very nonchalantly, but you can make picks, you can design plays, you can design two v twos that are ultra specified to trying to win those scenarios. Yeah, no, I, I, I would agree with that. Uh, and yeah, it's kind of like saying, well, the way you beat the Chicago Bulls is shutting down Michael Jordan. But it's like, sure. I mean, it doesn't mean it's not true, right? Uh, yeah. And yeah, from like from my perspective... Also, it doesn't mean it's doable. Well, yeah, also true. <laughs> uh, I think it is doable, though, in a, in a sense. 
Like, yeah, oh, no, the Michael we, Jordan thing. Yeah. That was good trouble. I like as, that. As, every, as every Jordan fanboy will tell you, he is was literally undefeated in finals. So I guess he was truly unbeatable in that sense. He um, was all right, yeah. He was okay. But yeah, so uh, yeah, from, from my perspective, as I said, I've got like a really weird take on this, which is like, I feel coy are like if i had to put money on like which of these teams is most likely to get a game off g2 in the final i would say coy because of the jungle like the volatility that malrang brings and the the um jungle 2v2 dynamic but i actually think if every team is playing at their apex i would give it to mad because i think el yoya is the only player in an influential enough position who can actually just win the game like just beat g2 not necessarily on his own but he can just be that catalyst i think he's that good and i think he's honestly been slightly underrated i mean um obviously trouble was being uh bigging up the uh the niski uh el yoyo 2v2 but i think it was even understated i think niski has shown better propensity on carries or to carry games properly and when i say that's so like usually if you think of niski having a really good game it's him being in a position to control the lane to the extent, he's not necessarily winning the lane, but to control the lane to the, an extent where he can get his roams off and be influential on side lanes, right? That's like the stereotype and arrive early to skirmishes. That's the stereotypical Niski good performance. I do think there have been moments this split where actually he's just taken more traditional carry style picks, not necessarily a TF or something like this, and actually just straight up carried the game. Again, with, of course, the help of El Yoya. And I think El Yoya is the perfect jungler for him. I think El Yoya is near on the perfect jungler full stop in Europe in terms of like his all-round game. Yeah, his all-round game. Um, yeah. And I think that he is the only person I trust to have that level of high-level consistency needed over a, what would potentially be a five-game series. And Yike is still a rookie, right? Like as, as good as he's been and, and uh, you know, as, as impressive as he's been, there, until you've done it, you know, you haven't done it. And I, I would be interested to see if there is any sort of performance uh, drop-off at all um, in those scenarios. So, yeah, for me, it, it, it's mad. Um, Georgia, what, what do you feel about this? Like, which team would you give the, the best chance? Um, I don't know if you guys have heard the sentiment behind who could take games of G2, who could win it all, yada, yada, yada. But it all comes down to the forest and the junglers. And I think it's usually the case. Like, think of, like, the world champions. You think of canyon, the canyons, right? You think the SOFMs. You think of people who have sort of, like, tailored different metas and play styles, uh, like, through the jungle. Because this is something that can completely change from meta to meta. Mid laners, yeah, okay. They will always be playing, you know, what freaking mages. Mages might swap a little bit. It might be in terms of an Annie or in terms of a Syndra or in terms of an Azir. But it will be mages predominantly in the mid lane, right? Supports the same, whether it's melee, whether it's an enchanter, it's a support. But the things that always change and shift playstyles is the jungle, whether it's carry or whether it's facilitators. And because Yike can just spread such an array of champions and playstyles out, he will fumble at one of them because he is a rookie. And even though he's really good, he's really good at getting where he wants to be through farming very safely, I think a lot of the pathing right now in general in the jungle is very telegraphed. It's like one, two, three, bot. One, mm. two, bot. One, bot. Everything, bot. Uh, so if you get a psychopath that is going to completely ignore bot and just sit 10 minutes in the top lane and get a 6-0 on his top lane who's playing a Jax or an Olaf, you can suddenly 
win a game. If you do this around Larson, you can suddenly win the game. I said the name, but yeah, I think if 100% both teams show up, I think that Koi has a chance of taking um, of taking a series off of G2. But I think it's going to have to come down 100% to jungle. I've said before, I'm the biggest advocate for Malmark, but I said this guy is going to win you the game level two, but he can also lose you the game level two. Uh, and, the, and this is what it is, right? This is just the way he plays. If Rogue follows, which they did last year, they won LEC for the first time. Yeah, uh, I'll tell if they you. Don't, if they, if yes. they're on their toes, it can go very wrong. Yeah, I'll tell you the one issue I have with this, and I thought I would make it for an entire show without bringing up this. This <laughs> the Odo Army section. The problem is, well, you know what I saw. You know what I saw in Malmo. I saw what is probably <laughs> the greatest weekend of play ever from a European top laner. And you know what I haven't seen this year is I haven't seen shit from the guy who was brought in to play carries on carry champions. So even in that analogy, right, which holistically I completely agree with, like we know exactly with the quadrants that uh, Yike's going to hit and he's going to end up near fucking Krugs every time. But even if you play to Segenda top, I'm not, I'm not saying he can't. I'm just saying I haven't seen it. I have not seen yeah. this guy been given a lead or develop his own lead and win a game. It just hasn't happened. And in fact, yeah, that's also, his, his better performances have actually been on like weak sidey shit, which I wouldn't even sort of overpraise. I think he's been adequate on them. I think he's been fine. I don't think he's like playing badly. But this guy was brought in for a specific role. It was he can also play carry champions because apparently, even though, by the way, people forget that Otto is playing shit like Renekton and just solo killing people or whatever, like Otto can't play carry champions, right? So this guy was brought in to play carry champions. I haven't seen it. And I think if you play to top side as Koi, you just lose. You literally just lose. Like, unless this guy's going to have a, a revelation overnight or whatever, he has not shown that he is good enough to carry games for Koi or to be the win condition for Koi, especially against a team as good as G2. So I guess... I would kind of try, I would just adjust that slightly and be like, play to Larson, you know? Like, try as, oh, that's why I said play to Larson as well. Yeah, yeah you can yeah, play around Larson. Yeah, too, but yeah. only um, play uh, to Larson or can try I, Can I add a little asterisk here? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like in general, in a lot of our internationals, the top lane has usually been a band aid, right? And it's usually banded with a tank, yeah. an engager, someone who plays weak side, someone who can ge- get complete, completely battered in lane and dived repeatedly many times go zero five and still press the horn horn and create the perfect engage and i think this is absolutely fine because we're stacked when it comes to mid lane mm. we're stacked when it comes to to freaking bot lane like our eddie carries and our mid laners are fucking insane so our top laners don't have to be the best fioras in the fucking world don't have to be the best camilles in the world would be nice, and i feel it would be nice. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. Uh, it would be nice. No, when Chase looked in a Fiora, I was like, that's a U Fiora, but not a U player playing it. So we still get it, you know? Uh, so yeah, no, it would be nice. Absolutely. a hundred percent. Cause then you also have the Joker in the back of the, the deck of cards of, I can play everything in every mm. single role. And I don't disagree, but I'm like, if that is the bandaid we need to have for EU, and then maybe we can pop off in any other lane, especially bot-centric meta. We have insane AD carries right now. Uh, maybe it's not that bad. But when it comes to carries, I don't think I've seen a top laner from EU perform to the likes of the Shy, for example, when I see this guy on freaking Aatrox and Florent. We've had there been many people that have played to, the, to, to peak the Shy levels here. Not to beat <laughs> him necessarily or be to his level, but like nowhere near confident enough to pull a pick like this and make it work. So, I and mean, I think it'd be bitter that we can't play that shit. 
I am. Am I fine with seeing Corny uh, Orny, Orny and Sion in the top lane? I'm fine. There. I do it's think fine. it is. Like, I, do, I would agree. I think it's kind of like first world problems where like we're always complaining in Europe like, oh, but our top laners like can't beat the absolute best top laners in the world when we go to world. Okay. But Can I, I just, Wonder oh, in 2019 was a legitimate like world class can compete with the East level top laner. Like I think that's like the only time in history. But it was a character yeah, yeah, no, that's, yeah, what, that's what I'm saying. Like, and this is the problem with this thinking is carry players in top lane, okay, can become good weak side players because to carry, be a carry top lane player, you already had to understand the concept of weak side, right? But weak and, side and players, max, yeah. yeah, but weak side players cannot become good carry players because they have, it's like very rarely, like they do not have the precedent. I give you the example, Can, right? Spent his entire year life playing carries, then he became an almost exclusively weak side player for the Damwon teams. Uh, you had Ali, Ali, a weak side, a strong side player in his early career, weak side. Then you had Flandre, carry player on Snake, then he won world with EDG playing exclusively weak side. And uh, like uh, Keen played a uh, weak side carry for uh, Africa's, almost plays exclusively strong side carry. And now um, these players like are able to do both. And what people have realized is you're actually designing your top laners in EU to fail because you're actually not teaching them to play top lane or like the conceptual modern idea of how to play top lane. You're you're teaching them how to win the LEC with four other players and you like bandage all of their like misgivings and all their problems and then you're just like stat padded. And I actually feel sorry for Zagenda because I actually look at it and I'm like Koi doesn't know how to play top lane. Not Zagenda. No, I think but way I, I, more problems yeah, than... Uh, I mean, yeah, I... I, I yes and no. For example, like, he fucked up his just... wave state, right? But every yeah. other top laner fucks up their wave state true. and they get it fixed for them. Yeah, that's true. But at the same time, it's like it's kind of like oh it, in, in my in my head it's like we're feeling sorry for the five out of ten carry player for not getting the support to play carries and i'm like he's just not good enough like in general at playing that style anyway it's not like that some tragedies happening where we've got this absolute like beast european carry top laner and people just aren't placating to him it's like no he's just an out like well I, I, honestly at this point on an ndc level i can't even say average carry player like based on what i've seen i'll just say a bad carry player um but yeah i don't i don't feel bad for him like i feel like he's just he's not shown apart from anything else he has not shown that he should be played to i've not seen anything like even in lane performances where i thought god man if only they played to Sagenda this game you know they really could have got an edge he really had the pressure in top it's like no not really just getting solo killed every now and then and not really doing much when he gets leads and yeah i don't know i i'm not for me like so far again i i'm not judging his split at this point because ultimately potentially the two biggest series and potentially 10 more individual games you know he's he's gonna play yeah so let's let's see i'm I'm certainly not judging him right now to me it just looks like that as i said on Twitter, they just downgraded top I for fun like it just yeah they downgraded for fun. that's my point as i'm not like something that's sympathetic to zagenda what i'm sympathetic to is what zagenda is going to become so that Koi can win game can win games, right? Or yeah. like a player like Zagenda is always going to become because what player, what level of player is it that you have to have top lane for Koi to like I mean, this how about exist? yeah? How about Photon, right? That guy has play, that guy's managed to get leads in top when Bo's been completely ignoring his lane, and it's yeah. like oh, Photon's three zero at, at twelve minutes. It's but like Photon comes from the east. 
Sure. Yeah, he was already a strong, he was already a strong okay. state player. That's I the point. <laughs> but you can't justify one, playing one of towards Agenda when okay. Proton exists, for example. So when you have a carry top lane, usually what you can do and most teams will do um, over in the East is split push. And Eastern teams have beaten us so many fucking times by split pushing us to death, by splitting our entire map in a 1-3-1 one, one scenario where we don't know where to hit and we just lose it all. And I think this has been a concept for Europe that we have been lacking a little bit in the past few years and that's trying to split the map apart. And whether it's communication, whether it's our top players not being able to play carries, I feel like these scenarios have been long gone. People are more willing to slot in an Orn again and a Scion and call it a team fighting composition rather than go the extra mile and understand how to split, when to split, why to split, when to TP, why to TP, where do you TP? You know, all that stuff, which is much more split second decisions. But if you don't keep practicing these split second decisions, you'll never make them. And I think this might be something that we're missing because this is what makes the side the shy. He can go 0-16, he still wins the fucking game. Why? Because while he's 0-16, he's, he's still got his four items. He still out-farmed you, even though he's died 16 times in the series. And he's still five times more useful because he knows exactly how to play team fights. I'll get, I'll get, I'll get pushed back on that, right? No jungler in EU, right, is doing this for Zagenda, right? Okay, Zagenda dies, okay? He then TP back and dies again, right? So this is a shy. And then his jungler walks top and holds his entire wave, not once, twice, but three times. No one's ever done that for Zagenda. Yeah, and but the why, shy would has that. why would you? What? Why, why would you do, you do for the for... shy, mate? He's not... Why would you do it for the shy? The reason the shy is good at league. The... No, he's not good at me. No, 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 no. You've been sold on a false promise. He's not carrying games. The reason Carson does that is because if he doesn't do that, the game is completely over because uh, uh, the Shy has ran it down so hard that that is the only play that is available on the map and it must be done within that instance. Sure, but bo both can be true. Like, the Shy can run down loads of games, but he can also be good at League. Like, in my opinion, again, obviously, Segenda's good at League, right? But in, in like, these grand echelons at the top of the game, Segenda's not good, and the Shy is. That's why you would do nah. that for... Like, what? So again, is in the same league as the shy, is he? Mate, a random fucking guy from Korean Challenger no, no, comes no, no, into no. our league and plays carry that's champions not, better not, than anyone in the last I'm five saying. years. I'm saying, no, no, no. I'm saying if the LPL are setting up the shy to have better advantages and doing correct things around the shy's mistakes yeah, but rather than again, it, it's a self-fulfilling. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy, though. Like, if I've got fucking Prime Ronaldo up front. I'm going to do things even if he hasn't earned it that game to facilitate him being in the right place at the right time and feeding him the ball, right? Segenda is basically fucking Ollie no, Wilson. Malrang should be top because it's the best thing to do at the map when Segenda's lane state, but he doesn't go top, he does something else. Sure, that can be true, but at the same at the same time, like let's let's do a silly example. If I'm playing top lane, right? Someone's just forced me to go into the LEC and play top lane. You're just not going to bother doing anything in my lane, are you? Like I'm just I'm and again. Like the shy is like, the only top lane that I know that can go zero and twenty one in three games and win them all. Sure. Because he, the, he, what his team does from, and if you think that's good, League of Legends, then no, you can no, have no. it. I it's it's not. It's not about it being. It's about that there are games where the shy sprints it down, and he needs help, and he needs his team to carry him over the line to an extent or whatever. I'm just saying the reason why teammates are willing to do those things is because he is the shy. The reason Rogue is not willing to do anything or at least go out of their way to help Segenda is because Segenda has never, for Rogue, shown that he can even play games when he does get attention and gets carry picks.
He's, he has no credibility. On this level, he has zero credibility. By the way, also, quick point. People forget this. Here's the timeline of what happened with uh, Segenda on Vitality. Comes into the league, plays top lane, plays exclusively carry champions, does sweet fuck all. Does sweet fuck all. They stop playing towards him completely. And then he gets put on uh, weak side champions. He gets annoyed that he's playing weak side champions and essentially benches himself or, or gets benched for SLT. The full, this is the full arc. It's already happening. Comes into the league, tries to play carry champions, can't play them, gets put on weak side, gets benched. And I'm not gonna, uh, I'm not gonna make predictions about someone's someone's career from that perspective. But this is the same shit. Like he has never shown on the LEC that he can play these champions. The shy has historically shown he's a really good top laner who can play carry champions. And yeah, he's also shown he can in sometimes. But these two things are not the same. Like last time the carry the shy carried a, a top franchise was season eight. I mean, okay, I just have to. Uh, okay, it's my fault here because I I uh, kind of compared to incomparable things uh because obviously like one player is also still quote unquote a rookie right and the other player has been through world champion yeah. one of the best players of all time one of the greatest top players of all time but uh, what i'm talking about is yeah. what their teams do for them today and what i'm saying is, is you, you go and you get someone as good if you no, got but they value as... they value what champions like fior and like camille and like aatrox can provide to you in a side but he, lane, right but because... he's not playing those champions he's playing like the shy is literally playing nar kasani renekton scion scion like, yeah. yeah he's not and playing those champions no, yeah, no, no. So what, I'm saying, but what I'm saying is, it's like he made he made his name by being one of the best carry top laners in the entire world. And with that comes, yeah, yeah I can Carso, play tanks. Yeah, but Carso also done this for Quintang and uh, Wayward, right? Because what Carso's doing is, Carso's doing it because it's the correct thing to do at the given time, right? What I'm saying is, in LEC, they do not recognize that in, like, top lane. Like, I could go and get Keen, mm. right? Probably one of the best top laners ever, right? Stick him on Rogue, and he would have similar problems, not in terms of, like, his own, like, life state. He would probably deal with that way more better, and he would, like, maybe out put more damage because general understanding of team fights better but he would have same similar systematic of problems like when he goes to split push he can't push as deep because the wards aren't there when he goes to tp to a dragon or look for a, a flank on dragon the wards aren't there they've not been swept they've not been placed they've not been prepped like these similar issues exist because playing top lane carry requires you to carry the game in a different way that's not an app that's not designed towards the See, i fund i fundamentally disagree if this is a philosophy this is what you're saying and you correct me if i'm uh, misrepresenting you but i don't think i am to what you're saying to me is what i call like veteran logic as in veteran the eu analyst not a, a yeah. veteran person which is that it's you should do it because it's the correct thing to do to me that eliminates all human element and what the reality is of the composition of players that you actually have like he is a bad carry player. I have seen this guy been given every resource to to, to play Fiora, leave lane super far ahead on no, no. Fiora, and then you be haven't complete seen him being given every resource because he hasn't been given the wards to push it in. Like, I could actually like he hasn't been given like the okay, proper well, setup. Okay, well, it doesn't matter. Like, so it he doesn't matter. No, 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 but it's, it's actually irrelevant because he still left lane three zero or whatever it was, and massively ahead of his enemy top. The, the method of, the method of how he got there is actually irrelevant because he showed after fourteen minutes after laning phase was over, he had no idea how to play a carry champion with a lead he just didn't so it doesn't matter if you do not show me you can play a certain brand of league of legends it doesn't matter if it's the correct thing it's like otherwise everyone's draft would be the same right like if we all just believe like well in this method it's objectively better to spit this champion instead of this champion but it's not objective because there's a human element and as a player as a human he has not shown any 
capabilities, in my opinion, to show that he should be played towards. And Malrang may think, and I'm not saying that he does, but he may look at top and think, fuck this guy. He's Even if I get him ahead or help him out, he's just going to in later. Like, that could be his mindset. Like, well, I might as well go bot. I've got a really good bot lane who I can reliably, you know, will carry games if I get them ahead. So, again, I'm not going to dwell, like, dwell on this a anymore. I don't, I don't think what you're saying is, is wrong. I just fundamentally disagree with that this is it, it, but, but, like, the scenario you, like, talked about, like, I, I'm not to be, like, an asshole, but the scenario you talked about hasn't happened. Like, the getting him 3-0 on Fiora, yeah? Well, I don't know what I don't know what the exact score was, but he left no. lane on Fiora super far ahead. No, but he, he, he didn't. That's the point. Like the only time he played Fiora was it was against um T uh, Koi versus Teh against um Heretics. Uh, I I couldn't tell you the game. And that that that's what I'm saying. Like that, well, I'm just looking at the list in front of you. It could be wrong, but I can't remember it. Like what I'm saying is, is these things like Zagenda actually being like set up to carry. I have actually not seen the game where I was like, oh, they really played hard into Zagenda start to end, and he was actually given like a fair shot at uh, like carrying. And I'm not even that big as Zagenda fan. I actually agree with you. He does have problems. He does have failures. He does like make loads of mistakes. But I'm not also being sold on the idea that he's some sort of he's being played to as like a strong side threat. Because I don't think he is. Fair enough. I mean, I, I'm not going to lie. Like, I, I couldn't pick out like the absolute specifics in Pixel Perfect examples of like all the all the stuff he's had. My recollection is that he played a lot of carry style champions early, and then they moved away from that because a combination of how the team was playing and how he was playing didn't yield anything. But again, like I, I'm I'm not I'm not even saying that you're wrong. I, to me, it's just a, a difference of um, yeah, whatever. Anyway. Uh, so yeah, that's going to be it for this week, guys. Thanks you for joining us. Uh, thank you, lovely people, for joining me, Kira, and Trouble. Uh, and yeah, I think it's going to be a really interesting week. I'm still loving this format, by the way. I think it's absolutely brilliant. And uh, yeah, let's see what happens. But I'm not going to lie. If anything other than a G2 uh, <laughs> win in the final happens, I'll be pretty fucking surprised when I see you guys in the next year. You shave your head? Oh, you won't. Okay. Yeah, I thought no, you were. I, I thought you were in that. Yeah. No, no, I'm. Nah, okay. I've got some. I've got some proper creeps on my Discord who would be very upset if I shaved my head. So <laughs> true, I'm, true. I'm uh, not gonna do that. Uh, right. Okay, actually, maybe yeah. I should. Maybe that's actually the play to to. That will uh, drive them away. There you go. Get rid of the sex pest. Anyway, thanks for watching, guys, and see you next time.